This program is brought to you by Jim Humble's MMS. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Go to the Veritas store or gotmms.com. Believe me, you don't want to be without it, especially at this time of the year. Order today. The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight's guest claims to be Aseda Gray, who died and reincarnated as a human to assist with the Ascension program on Earth. What's unique about her reincarnation is that she claims to have had the opportunity to keep her Seda ET consciousness alongside her developing Earth human consciousness. She wanted to experience what Earth human abductees experience and why there is so much trauma in being quote-unquote taken in real ET abductions alongside MyLab abductions. She lives in Australia and is here on a mission to help humans evolve. She talks in depth about the controllers and the entire history of ETs on the planet over the long history. She gives the, the them the name of Reptarians from the Drake race, but as others have stated, certain reptilian races claim to have been born on Earth, and so they feel that their being here first makes humans the quote-unquote outsiders as we were designed later by the Creator gods, as she states. We will delve into the control system on Earth, including religions and how they keep humans divided. She also talks specifically about the real Garden of Eden on Earth and its location and the real reason for its existence. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Judy Carroll was born in Queensland, Australia, in 1952. Her family background is Creole, English, and Romani, Gypsy. She left school to become a professional flamenco dancer, following in the footsteps of her grandmother, who was a dancer and clairvoyant, medium in the Romani tradition. Judy feels that this background helped her to assimilate the encounters she's had with gray ETs since early childhood. Sixty years of these ongoing and at times fully conscious encounters have given her a deep insight into this phenomenon that is happening to many thousands of people worldwide. The ET visitors advise her to meditate so as to facilitate easier telepathic communication and to study Tai Chi and natural healing. In 2011, Judy attended a meeting on an ET ship that involved a discussion on the past and present situation of Earth, including the hijacking of the planet many millennia ago. In light of this, she wrote a book on the ET history of Earth 
the hijacking of the planet by a rebel force and the subsequent manipulation of scriptural accounts of events that took place in the distant past. The title of her book is Extraterrestrial Presence on Earth, Lessons in History, which will be the focus of tonight's interview. Judy Carroll joins us directly from Australia. Hello, Judy, and welcome to Veritas. Hi, Mel. I'm very happy to be here and speaking to everybody. Great to have you. First of all, let me ask you, are you affected by the current fires and have they dissipated somewhat with some rain? Um, we haven't had them too badly here in, in Queensland. We did have a, a couple of days of very smoggy air conditions, which I felt sorry for people who have asthma, etc. Um, they've been more down south than New South Wales and Victoria. They've been very, very bad there. Um, they have eased somewhat. Um, I think all the amazing prayers and healing that were sent to Australia from the whole planet um, has helped hugely because not long after all that started, it began raining down there and that was exactly what they needed. So as far as I know, everything settled down. Um, the air conditions are still very bad in Sydney. They were, they were saying on the news the other night it's worse than Beijing. So um, but I think now they've had a bit of rain that's starting to ease that back as well. Wonderful. And being that you are in Queensland, I take it that you know Mary Rodwell. Oh, yes, very well. She, I'm, I love Mary. She's real sweet. She does amazing work. Great. She's a, a great... Uh, a great uh, person that we love on oh, this show. But let's start from the good. beginning of your life, unless you want to start from even before. When and where were you born? Okay, well, I was born here in Queensland, um, but before I chose rebirth, um, I had some decisions to make because, as you spoke about in your introduction, um, I actually died to a grey life not very long before. And we were in the process of carrying out a mission here that I was involved in, and I wanted to continue with this mission. Um, and I also wanted to link up with the friends and family that I was working with in that past life, um, again, to work together this time. So I chose birth here in Queensland, as did several of our other people. And what I also um, chose to have was what could be called a blended soul consciousness, um, which I'll explain. Um, there are a few of us down here who've chosen to come into Earth life as blended souls. Susie Hansen is another one. You've probably heard of Susie Hansen in mm -hmm. New Zealand. Um, she does a lot of work up on the up on the ships as well. Um, what this actually means is that we're energetically connected to two rather than the usual one planetary culture. This is a conscious pre-birth choice. And it's made to enable us to carry out work as ambassadors between Earth plane humanity and other star cultures. So I was a Zeta Gray in my last life, so I chose to retain that connection um, as well as establish a connection in the present life with Earth plane humanity. In this way, my consciousness spans both cultures, and this enables me to understand the ET Earth human contact from both sides, which is very, very helpful. I can help other people through this. Um, the, there were some difficulties. My Earth human childhood was very confusing because I had voluntarily closed off the um, off-planet part of my consciousness for some years. Um, I did this so I could fully experience the Earth human fear of ET visitation firsthand. I needed to do this to provide me with deeper understanding. At the same time, an awareness of my grey ET reality was always present. 
hidden away, just beneath the surface. So as a child, my mind was caught between fear of this contact and a yearning for my off-planet existence. Um, it's very hard to describe. It's almost like there's two brains operating in your head um, and they're sort of aware of each other but not quite. <laughs> um, so it, it didn't make for a very easy childhood. Um, I was aware of something strange going on all through my childhood. Um, I never felt at home down here. I felt homesick for somewhere else, but I couldn't understand consciously what was wrong with me. Um, I was aware of going off at night during my sleep state, and my earth child consciousness was both terrified and fascinated by this. So there was a real two-way pull. Uh, I also had a strong sense of mission of being here for a specific reason to carry out work of some sort. Um, so that's basically what went on in my childhood. I, I do have one memory, very clear memory, of actually being taken up our street by a tall, thin female being that I thought of as a grandmother figure, and she took me to board what I thought was a train. Um, and it took me years uh, to realise that there was no train station up the end of our street. It was a quiet cul-de-sac. And it wasn't until I awakened to the you know, full consciousness of my ET reality, I realised it was actually a ship I was taking on. It wasn't a train. <laughs> but it was really funny because I used to nag my real-life real grandmother to take me back on the train again. It was fun because she had no idea what I was talking about. So you can see I was up against a few little problems as a child. I wanted to ask you what a blended soul is, but you you already responded to that. It's a, it's a mixture between Judy and, did I say, am I saying this right, Lorca? Yeah, and Lorca. Lorca, okay. L Lorca. Okay. So <laughs> They pronounce the L like a, a fool. Say it again? L Lorca. L Lorca. L Lorca. El Orca. El Orca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a mixture of both. Are you basically walking two different paths at the same time? Yes, yes, basically, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what happens when, when my human body goes to sleep at night, my grey body steps out of it and goes up on the ship to do work, and I have some conscious memory of this work. I don't carry a huge amount back with me because a lot of the work that we do up there just wouldn't be able to be processed by my earth human brain. Um, remembering that down here we only operate through about 10% of our potential consciousness um, and what we're doing upstairs is over a far greater range, like dimensional range than that. So a lot I wouldn't even be able to process, but some I can, just enough to know what I'm doing and, and um, you know, what's going on up there. I can remember all that. <laughs> As I mentioned before we started, Sonny Sito, which I interviewed years ago, I remember yes. the story on how she, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the craft that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. Am I, am I correct? Yes, yes. So were you in that craft as well? Well, look, I, I wouldn't like to come out and make such a huge statement as that. I was certainly involved in one of the crashes back then. There were a number of them. Um, and I also, we did know each other. Sani and I knew each other. We did work together in that past life. You know, I may have been, it may have been another crash. Um, I've sort of purposely not brought that through. <laughs> That's fine. I, I understand. Yeah. Because you have to be yeah. so specific about it. But when yeah. you crashed, what caused the crashes of these craft? Because I always think... If these beings come here from so, so far away and yeah. they come here and they crash while they're landing, what caused the crash? Is it, well, being be, be told by certain military personnel who has come out and said it was radar? 
Yes. Yes, it was it was equipment that was being used down here that interfered with the control systems. Um, what basically happened with the ships was um, they lost control because of this interference from down here. <clears throat> as far as I understand, um, there's a very, very strong repairing influence behind the military and world governments, all authorities down here. Um, so it was more or less done on purpose because we were starting to come back here and they wanted to stop us. Um, so, yeah, that basically lost control of the ships and they crashed. When you say Reptarian, are you referring to reptilians who live on Earth and that's why they're labeled Reptarians? Yes, yes. I'm actually the one who came up right. with that label for them. To differentiate between them and the other reptilian races, the majority of reptilian races out in the cosmos are perfectly good, decent people. They're actually extremely protective. I know several of them who are down here in human form and they're lovely, lovely people. Um, so I don't want to... As many people do down here, they, they sort of bunch the whole lot together. Oh, all reptilians are evil, you know, and this isn't the case. The only ones who are causing problems down here are these reptarian ones because of the fact they hijacked the planet going back many, many millennia ago and they consider themselves the owner, owners of the planet and they don't want um, other people down here taking over. Um, so that's that's why they're causing all these problems um, in the ET contact field to cause fear. They're trying to cause maximum fear. We'll come back to the controllers later. But the problem yeah. you faced was that because of the mission, you would need to retain your ET identity, but you also had to fit in fully as Earth human. How did you do that as most people who reincarnate have no recollection of who they were before? Yeah, um, well, with great difficulty. Um, it's interesting because I, I just covered this question in an interview. A friend of mine and, and myself are doing a series of YouTube interviews that are up on our YouTube channel. And this was one of the questions that came, you know, how do you integrate being an ET down here? Um, <clears throat> and if I remember rightly, what I answered was um, with a great degree of difficulty, um, and a lot of it depends on the way you're brought up, I very, very carefully chose my family. I, I was born into a family, as you read in the, in the introduction, a family of very mixed racial heritage um, with a great-grandmother who was a psychic medium clairvoyant um, with the Romani tradition behind her. Now, all the tribal people are very, very open to the possibility of life on other planets, etc. In fact, the Aboriginal people here have a very close link with the off-planet people. So I was born into a family who were very open on all these things. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wasn't fighting sort of against any heavy traditions against it all through my childhood, whatever I came out with. My family were very um, sort of casual with the whole thing um, because I had I had a lot of trouble going to school because the school system down here but again my parents were very understanding they were very kind people and helped me all they could so I obviously made a good choice with my family um, again with religion they were spiritual people but they weren't overly religious although I was educated in a Catholic convent um, but again I want this this is all been planned because my main mission down here is to try to explain spirituality from the cosmic perspective and to show the parallels between earth plane religion and cosmic spirituality. So I needed a good grounding in belief systems down here. So this actually helped me um, in my work. I'm finding it really handy. I remember when Sonny told me, I feel trapped in a human body. 
Do you feel trapped yeah. in a human body? Uh, yes, yes, to a certain point. Um, but at the same time, um, I chose it. So, you know, I just get on with it. Most most of the time it's fine. It's fine. You know, just occasionally you feel a bit you know, homesick and you wish you could get back. Um, the, the beauty of it is I do consciously have recall of being up on the ship, so that does help an awful lot. I remember many, many years ago I was taken up to have an implant put in and um, when it was time for me to go, I, I really... You know, did, did the old star jump like cats do, you know, when you're trying to put a cat into a carrier uh, basket and they put both put, uh, all their four feet out to stop putting them in. And I was just about doing this at the door of the ship and I was in tears and saying, I don't want to go back, I don't want to go back. And the poor little greys who were with me, they were all saying, but you've got to, you've got to go back, you can't stay here. Um, and then I blanked out and ended up down here. But that's, that's about the most traumatic experience I've ever had. Most of the time I manage okay. When you say you remember, you you feel like uh, you belong somewhere else, does that mean that yeah. you remember your quote-unquote home planet? Well, with many of the greys, um, I, I, I very closely relate with the Zetas, and yes, some of them do live on planets, but in my last Zeta life, I lived mainly on the ship. We used to be doing the work we carried out was sort of, how can I say, ecological work on various planets and the adaption of, of various species to planets. So we spent a lot of time on the ship. The ship is more home to me than a planet um, in that side of my consciousness. What happened in March of 1983? <sighs> March, yes, March 1983, yes, yes, full awakening. Um, I actually had a daytime encounter in which I recognised my ET visitors as family. Um, I'd had contact before then. I didn't know who they were because we had no such thing as Roswell or any of those things here in Australia. ETs or the possibility of extraterrestrials just wasn't a part of life here. So I was aware of these beings coming to me. Um, I vaguely knew what they looked like, but... Consciously, I didn't know who they were. I used to think of them as being Davic, you know, part of the nature spirit kingdom, which is sort of correct in a way anyway. Um, but, yes, this particular day, um, my husband's family were visiting and I started feeling like I was coming down with the flu in the afternoon, mid-afternoon, mid, mid full daylight. So I excused myself and went upstairs to lie down in a quiet bedroom at the back of the house and um, the next thing that happened was um, I went into the body paralysis state, which a lot of people are familiar with, and I started hearing this loud roaring buzzing sound in my head that was giving me a headache. Next moment I became aware of, I think there was about three of the greys standing in the room and they were so solid they were blocking out the light coming in through the window. Uh, my eyes were closed, but I was obviously looking at them through my third eye. And um, as soon as I saw them, any fear that I had, because I had been scared with this paralysis, but as soon as I saw them, all my fear just disappeared, and it was like this sudden, oh, my God, they're my family. They're family. And, uh, and this huge joy sort of rose up in me. It was absolutely beyond words, this connection. Um, and it was then that I was reminded consciously of my assignment down here and a massive download of information and advice was given to me regarding the work we're carrying out on Earth and the part I was to play in it. It was basically reminding me. And they then went into detail on further studies that I needed to do in order to undertake my role to the best of my ability. 
So they advised me to learn to meditate so as to facilitate telepathic communication with them. Um, and they also advised me to study Tai Chi because of the fact that I was a dancer. I was a very physical person and I tried to meditate a couple of times and was having trouble with it. And so the, the brave visitors told me, look, take up Tai Chi and this will help you to move into meditation because Tai Chi is, is moving meditation, which I, I didn't know at the time. I didn't even know what Tai Chi was. Um, and I actually said to them, well, what's that? And they said, oh, it's a little bit like yoga, but a small movement. Um, they also told me that I'd be taking up a natural healing modality of some sort, um, and both of which, both the, the healing and the Tai Chi, I was to pass on to Earth people to assist them in their deeper, under, deeper understanding of life force energy. So I panicked a bit because, I mean, you know, being told I was going to teach them and I hardly even knew what they were. So... We were married and living out of town at that time, so the Greys directed me to move back to the city. Um, they, they told me I would be moving back to the city so that I could undergo the amount of training that I needed in order to be able to teach in, in the future. So over the next three years, circumstances changed hugely, strange coincidences happened, and things just fell into place to enable all of this to happen. It was quite amazing. So many years of intense study followed, including eight years of training in a meditation development group. And this is where I learned channeling and automatic writing, um, which also then went on to help me to write the books. I, I'm not real keen on voice channeling, but I, I love writing. And so the automatic writing was wonderful training for my future writing career. Um, I also did six years of Reiki training through to master teacher level and beyond. Um, I'm also now a qualified Tai Chi instructor and I've been teaching this for over 30 years. So everything that they told me back then happened and more. That's incredible. I don't want to talk about me because it's all about you, but I just remember, and everybody knows the story of the lady that foretold my future. She said that they, quote unquote, they have been trying to communicate with me forever, but I don't <laughs> let them come in and that, that I needed to learn how to meditate this is 1993, and I had no well, idea what that concept was back then. But anyway, yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. Now, yeah. let's talk about human development on Earth. Again, let's go in chronological order. How did it all begin? Okay, well, there's, the Genesis story in the Bible is only the absolute tip of the iceberg. There's been about six different Genesises of human-type beings on planet Earth. Um now, the, the key fact missed is with human life, it's always genetically engineered or 99.9% .9 of the time anyway. I mean, I shouldn't say it always is because there may be exceptions, but as far as I know, human life is always genetically engineered. And there have been a number of what we could refer to as creator races, like older universal um, cultures coming here to create human life on Earth, which is a good planet for human habitation. Um, now, the other thing that people don't understand is that human life can potentially be created out of any animal form. Now, for example, Earth humans, modern Earth humans, were created out of a primate species, so they're mammalian. The greys were created originally, going back trillions of years, out of insectoid species, 
the reptoids were created out of reptilian species. You know, there are cat people, there are dog people. Um, the universe has an amazing array of different types of humans. I always, always go back to what Jesus said, you know, my father's house has many mansions, and, and this is so true. There's such a huge diversity of human life throughout the cosmos. Now, on planet Earth, um, a very, very early race related to the greys who are actually um, seated here by uh, the greys and the mantids was the ant people. Um, and they actually developed to a very high level of technology. Um, a later race who came into the picture was where the draconians came down and developed several reptilian races. Um, so that was another, another human genesis. Um, and then later on, of course, modern man was developed. Um, from what I understand, the very, very early modern humans, their development was started by one of the reptilian races. They were actually developed as a slave race. Um, and it was later on that other more highly evolved beings came here to stop this happening. They actually interfered with it, um, interfered with this program of making humans into slaves. And they developed them. They brought them more into the human kingdom. Um, they'd been sort of held on the, on the edge of both being human and animal so they could be controlled whereas they were taken then more fully into the human kingdom. So it's, it's quite a complex um, uh, you know, past on planet Earth. If there were ant people, ant people and reptilian people on Earth, what happened to them? And why do we still have ants and reptiles, but the humanoid types are no longer here? Some of the ant people still are. Um, they, they basically... They, they came into uh, into problems when the reptilian people took over. There was wars fought between them. Um, and the ant people ended up leaving Earth. They established themselves on the moon, believe it or not. Um, so I think that there are still some there. Um, some of them are also, as far as I understand, deep underground on Earth. But the majority of them have actually evolved on from there. So they've, they've left Earth and they've gone on to other planetary cultures. Um, some of the Zeta cultures had their beginnings there. Um, I actually remember a life as an ant person, very, very vaguely, going back about 900,000 years ago. Um, and in my case, yes, I moved on to the Zetas. By the way, when, I'm, when I was done with the book, I realized how many questions I had. So I'm going to forgive me for doing this because I usually am slow in asking the questions. But I'm going to yeah. shotgun a lot of them because I want to be able to get as much information as we can. Right. <laughs> Who or what is God? Okay. What is God? Yes. God is an energy form. Um, God is not – it's probably easier to explain what God is. And God is not an old man sitting up on a cloud, a 3D physical being like so many in, in religion try to portray this energy down here. They refer to it as him. There's no gender there. It's just an, a, a non-polarized energy form. <clears throat> Many of the ET cultures, including the greys, refer to God as source or oneness. So God energy is like, I could describe it as like a superglue holding the whole universe together, basically. Um, all, what it, the problem is all higher-evolved ETs approach life from spiritual rather than a religious perspective. Spirituality is a state of consciousness. It's a more expanded conscious awareness which can only be attained over the span of many lives. Um, this is part of evolution in the human kingdom. So it's not exclusive to planet Earth. It spans the whole universe. 
and this God energy expands through the whole universe. And this is why we speak about God as being omnipresent, because this energy is through the whole universe. Um, By the way, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I hear a lot of a static noise. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, look, we're having quite a heavy shower of rain. Oh, month. that's rain. We just come out to shut Well, the you know what? Don't worry. I'm happy to hear, especially with what's going on in Australia. Go ahead. Oh, extremely um, um, thankful to, to have it. It's very, very welcome. We sure do need it. He's doing a good job. He's just shutting the windows for me. <laughs> Excellent. Although we have a tin roof, so it'll probably keep coming through. We'll both keep going for two rolls. By the way, I spoke to somebody the other day from Brazil. He's a, a, a gifted psychic, and he predicted yeah. the fires years ago. He also said that they would stop, uh, they would begin stopping by January 14th, but floods right. will be replaced from fires to floods. But I think, honestly, because of the, the amount of flora and fauna suffering, I would rather have some floods than the fires, don't you think? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think there's so much polarity going on here. What's going on on Earth is actually a mirror. It's a reflection of what's going on with humans. And, and you know, planet Earth being right down the bottom of the human ladder, which we'll talk about later, is extremely polarized. So we seem to have, you know, either great heat or great cold, or great floods and great fires. It just seems to be that way. Extremes. Now, mm. who created Earth humans and when? This current uh, incarnation. Okay, Earth, Earth humans were originally created by the control of the uh, reptilian controllers. I, talk, I call them controllers because they, they're still in control down here. They were the ones who originally created them um, as a slave race. So I think this happened in the Middle East. That's where most of their activity was. Um, so that's the, the bloodline that Earth humans come out of, modern-day Earth humans come out of this mammalian primate bloodline that they were developed out of. But they only developed them so far to enable them to retain that big, strong body. You know, like we see um, ancient man, uh, oh, what are some of them, you know, Cro-Magnon man and all those ones. They were those ones that were developed by the uh, Reptarians, used to be slaves. And what happened later on, and the universal um, beings came to, came aware of what was going on down here. Other higher beings came down here, including the Palladians, the Zeta Reticulans, the Syrians. A number a number of them came here to intervene and stop this being hap- uh, this actually happening. And from what I understand, this intervention actually started here in Australia with the Aboriginal people. And so that's that the reason why the Aboriginal people feel very close to the Pleiadians. They they speak about them as being the creator beings and the ancestor beings, etc. Um, I think they were also helped by the ant people because this is a memory I have of the Pleiadians arriving here. Their ship actually crashed and they arrived here in Australia in a small rescue pod. And they had all this massive scientific work that they wanted to carry out to assist in the bioengineering of these mixture creatures, you know, to to help them to become human. Um, But, of course, because their ship crashed, they didn't have all this equipment that they needed. And our people were dwelling underground here in Australia, trying to hide out from the Reptarians. And so the Pleiadian arrival was very, very welcome to us. And we came out and helped them because some of them were very badly injured. We took them into our underground um, tunnels and caverns and treated their injuries, um, 
they had very they had a lot of trouble with the climate here because it's a very harsh climate. So we got them in underground, and we had been doing our um, ecological scientific work adapting species on planet Earth long ago. So we had equipment there which we enabled them to use. And so this is how um, the Earth human race was developed into being a, a, you know, a human, fully human rather than an animal human. And as far as we understand, it happened here in Australia. And the Aboriginal people back up this because um, their understanding is that their race has gone back a long, 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 long way, the oldest race on planet Earth, just as Australia is the oldest country on the planet. So there's quite a lot of scientific evidence coming forward that this is actually what happened. This is a multi-pronged question. I think you partially answered already. Are there humans in other planets or parts of the universe? And are they all mammalians or are they derived from other species? And are they more advanced, less advanced, both? Okay, yes, they're derived from many, many different species. Um, some are mammalian, of course, but they are derived from many, many different species. Because of the um, reptarian control that's holding planet Earth back, planet Earth is one of the least advanced cultures in the universe. Most have moved ahead. As one of the grey teachers explained once, he said it's almost like the universe is a flowing river and planet Earth has been um, trapped in a stagnant pool at the side of the river. And this is why our mission started up um, of planet people coming here to try and help Earth, Earth plane humanity to catch up spiritually with the rest of the universe. You mentioned more advanced humans that live elsewhere, and they're oh, yes. humanoids like yeah. us. I assume that there's some mammalians that are like us that live elsewhere, correct? Yes, oh yes. Um, as far as I understand, the Pleiadians, I think they, they would have originally come out of a mammalian species. I'm not real familiar with their um, history. I've never had very much to do with them consciously. I know we work together upstairs, but up on the ship, but I don't know that much about. But I'm pretty sure that they, they um, evolved out of a mammalian species as well. The more advanced humans that are mammalians like us, what are they doing right that we are doing wrong? Well, the problem is down here is the reptarians. They basically held Earth plane humanity back. Um, Earth humans, if they're left to themselves, they're a, a very community-minded culture. Um, but the reptarians have created this warmongering society and competitiveness, etc., um, and been basically brainwashing people right from the start that they have to go to war with each other. You know, they promote the fear rather than the love. And, I mean, that's the, the bottom line choice is that people need to make is choosing fear over love, love over fear or fear over love, whichever way they, they decide they want to go. Um, and it is a free will choice. I know people can't get their heads around this because they say, oh, you know, it's not free will, you know, we're forced into this and we're forced into that. But it's actually, it's, it's a choice that you make deep within your heart. Nobody else needs to know about it. But whether you choose, into fear, choose to link into fear or love is your own choice. We'll talk about fear later and how to overcome that barrier. But also mm. the similarities and differences as it relates to animal life in other planets. And the reason why I'm asking this question is here on Earth, we believe we're on top of the food chain when it comes to the animal kingdom. Are yeah. there planets in which an insectoid or a reptilian is above humans? Well, the thing is, is they, they are human. Once they get to that point, they are human. Um, this, that's the, the difference. 
you, like a, a you, you look at a grey, um, the big eyes, um, the, some of them even have like an exoskeleton. They look insectoid, but they are human. They are operating as humans. So, yes, <clears throat> humans have the ability to <clears throat> consciously understand um, spirituality generally more than animals do, but at the same time, Animals perceive things in a different way, so we really can't compare the two. But, yes, human, the human race, whatever line it comes down through, tends to be on the higher level. Okay. Who decides to populate a planet and why? Um, well, it seems to be a universal human thing to want to explore. Um, I, I know the greys are massive planetary explorers. You know, they're almost, they could be described as the gypsies of the universe in the way they travel around. And, you know, you find a planet that is suitable for life forms, the temptation is to develop life forms there. Um, it, it's just a human thing to want to procreate and, and um, you know, spread out across the universe. It's just, it's just a, I think it's just a human, natural human thing. <laughs> I recently posted a book that has been literally truly disappeared about the prior extinctions. And then the researcher says that we've had six different cataclysms or six Genesis events yeah. on Earth. And I believe you also shared that opinion. Tell us more. Uh, yes, yes, there has been. Um, as I say, there's been about six different species. Um, the very first ones were developed out of um, the fish people, and this is where people get memories of mermaids and things like that. Um, after that, there came the um, insectoids who developed into the ant people eventually, they, so they became a human species. Um, I'm just trying to think what was after that. Um, I know the reptilians came. They developed into a human species. Um, there was another human species people know of as a Sasquatch. They were created down here, and they, they were basically taken through to other dimensions to keep them safe from the reptiles. So, yeah, there has been quite a number, and each one has had their own cataclysms. Um, the ant people actually created a cataclysm because they, they had two different um, cultures on two different planets. Uh, countries and went to war with each other so yeah they caused a cataclysm um and this this is a huge guilt thing that the gray soul consciousness has carried through because the greys being insectoids and um, therefore connected to the nature spirit kingdom are very much into creating life and to have destroyed life and brought about a cataclysm um just go went right against everything that they believed in. And this is why for quite a while they chose to stand back away from emotion and not experience emotion because they were very aware that it was emotion that got them into this position. Um, and this is one of the things that the greys are really worried about because they can see the same thing happening with Earth humans. There's just too much uncontrolled emotion down here, um, which is causing all these wars. And this is exactly what happened with them. And they destroyed, the, nearly destroyed themselves and the planet. And they can see the same thing happening with modern day humans, um, with all the emotion. When we look at mythological books and we see centurions and manticores and minotaurs, mermaids, mermen, are we talking about real beings that existed? And if so, were yeah. they genetically manipulated? Um, well, they were created, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, creation is, is you know, it's, it's non it's not, um, how can I say it, um, 
you can you can allow your imagination to run free with creation because um, different different forms are needed for different planetary different climate conditions etc. Um, this is one of the work that some part of the work that the greys do. They adapt species to different planets. Now the other thing that we're probably not many people are aware of is the fact that Earth hasn't always been in third dimension. It's been in a higher dimension. It actually dropped down the scale. So a lot of those so-called mythical beings were actually higher dimensional beings. Um, and they're still around. They're off in the dimensions because nothing, like when energy cannot be destroyed. So once a species is created, it can't be destroyed. It can only change. So some of them have adapted to live in different dimensions. This is a lot of the work that we do. I wanted to ask you, if these beings existed at one point in our history, how come we don't see them in the fossil record? Um, because they're of a higher dimensional frequency. They weren't down here in physical form as we know it. Earth was of a higher frequency back then. I see. So we cannot perceive them because our visual spectrum, our vibratory spectrum, our audio spectrum is so limited. Is that why? Oh, yes. Yes. Extremely limited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, what I might do, Mel, um, we were given a teaching quite some years ago on what the Greys refer to as the human ladder. I might just um, have a talk about this because it just helps to explain all these different beings throughout the universe. Um, it was an extremely important teaching that we were given and it just helped us to understand where Earth humans are in relation to all the other beings in the universe. Sure. Um, what the human ladder is, it's a term that the greys use to explain the path or cycle of evolution that's followed by all human-type beings throughout the universe. Now, these beings can be mammalian, insectoid, reptoid, avian, or whatever. Now, there are human versions of many different animal species throughout the universe. The human ladder represents our multidimensional soul also, or higher self, which spans the whole ladder. And it's comprised of what the greys refer to as galactic levels, but these aren't galaxies or any sort of physical places. They're ten ascending and expanding levels of conscious awareness and awakening. Now, the average Earth human consciousness is focused on the very first rung of the ladder, so therefore can consciously access approximately 10% of their potential conscious awareness. The other 90% hidden away either in the subconscious or the superconscious mind. And for an Earth person to be able to access even a small part of these deeper levels, an altered state such as hypnosis or meditation is generally required. Now, our 10% conscious awareness is intrinsically linked to the 10% or so of active DNA. So for a person to be able to access deeper levels of consciousness, more DNA needs to be activated. Now, this is a lot of what the genuine ET contact is about. Um, now, here I'm referring to mind consciousness. I'm not talking about brain. Now, what happens over the span of many lives, our mind focus evolves to higher rungs of the ladder, and this enables us to link more consciously into oneness or, or God and um, we're more able to perceive and interact with higher and higher vibrational frequencies. Now, the whole universe is energy, nothing more, nothing less, vibrating at infinite frequencies. So once we become more consciously awakened, we can tap into these higher frequencies beyond our present conscious awareness. 
Um, the other thing we need to remember is that in reality, we're all multidimensional beings. We're way, way, way more than just a physical body. The physical body is simply a container for the soul. That's the term the grave uses, the container. And the soul is the real us. So in this way, the human ladder is also a representation of each and every one of us because in the greater reality, there's a facet of us operating on all ten levels. So the soul or the higher self could be likened to a many-faceted diamond um, and each facet representing lives being lived simultaneously on every level of the ladder. And now the other thing here to bear in mind is um, often when we're contacted by an ET or a spirit guide, it's actually a higher part of our own being that's coming to assist us uh, or assist our earthbound consciousness to awaken to the higher aspects of self. Um, this is the reason why often the ETs will say during the contact, it's time for you to wake up. I mean, I remember having said that to people. Um, in other words, what, what they're saying is it's time for you to awaken to more of your own self. Um, and this is also tying into the self-realisation practices of Buddhism. That's what that's all about. So human evolution is purely a mind process of gradually melding with more and more of your own self and expressing your reality on higher and more expanded levels of the human ladder. Does that all make sense? Well, of course. I had that question for later, but I'm glad you brought it here because I wanted to know if there concept of evolution was different and obviously it's very different. Now, do these events that create a new genesis occurring in specific intervals of time or are they random events? Um, nothing's really random in the universe. Everything, everything is very, very well um, orchestrated. Um, so, no, they're not random. Everything's orchestrated. I guess the question is, if we have different intervals, do they occur at the same time, say, every 3,600 years, that way we can prepare for the next one. Is my, I guess that's why I'm asking. Yeah, yes, there is a cycle. Um, there are two sets of cycles. I, I can't remember the exact figures. Um, Greg Braden talks about, about them in one of his books. Um, I'm just trying to think. I think there's a 5,600-year cycle or 5,250-year cycle and a 25,560-year cycle or something. I'm not saying that's exact, exactly right. But, yes, there are these cycles that, that the planet and humanity goes through, it's more on a, in a higher level. Um, and at the moment, we're going through these cycles, and this is why there's change happening at the moment. Um, if, I, if I understand correctly, the two cycles, the long one and the short one, both came to an end round about the 1950s, 1960s. And so it's not just one cycle that's renewing, it's both of them. And so this is why there's so much happening at this time but it would have been all planned in the cosmos. It wouldn't be a random thing. When you say planned, could the reptarians, the Illuminati, the elite, could be the... And the reason why I'm asking you this is this. We have fires all over Australia, as you've never had before. We had yeah. it in California earlier this last year. We have volcanoes that have been extinct that are becoming live again. We have earthquakes happening all over the place. If I didn't know any better, I would say that something is happening. It's actually more a rebirth of the planet um, because planet Earth herself is shifting to a higher frequency. Planet Earth is moving from fourth world consciousness to fifth world consciousness, as the Hopi people and the Mayans spoke about. Um, and, of course, birth is always accompanied by labor pains. It's never easy. 
Um, mm. So a lot of this that's going on is more coming from the Earth herself. And it's also a cleansing um, attempt by the planet. So a dog shaking its fleas, basically. Mm, mm, yeah. Is this a species that, the Terrans, is this a species that keeps the population subjugated and disempowered? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Massive brainwashing, um, particularly through things like religion and politics. They, they just kept people completely um, dumbed down. It's it's quite funny because Earth humans are so jealous of their free will and there's a, a thing a lot of the um, researchers who talk about the greys you know, make them out to be evil and they're going to come here and they're going to take away our free will and they're going to do this and going to do that. What people don't realise is that Really, Earth humans haven't had free will for millennia. They've been completely brainwashed. Um, it's it's not a physical um, imprisonment. It's a, it's a mind imprisonment, which is far more subtle. People don't realise how deep the imprisonment and brainwashing goes. And the ETs coming here now, and that includes the greys and the zetas, etc., um, are the ones trying to free people of that. Um, hence, the, what we say to people is time for you to wake up. I'm going to ask you an unorthodox question, and I hope you can answer it. I've mm -hmm. been discussing ascension and evolu you know, evolving and do better beings for a very long time. But if we have the reptarians in charge, and they're the ones who literally feed us information from our first day in school, they're the ones behind our food supply, our water supply, our air, how can we remove the shackles without being called crazy or imprisoned, which seems to happen to anyone who refuses to be part of the heard those who try to make you know to wake people up are always labeled crazy or strange or weird how then judy okay look I, I think this is becoming less and less um we can we just have to wake up that's the basic the bottom line of it it's awakening and realizing what's going on um the key is understanding um the old saying knowledge is power but i under I, i add to that by saying understanding is empowerment The key is learning to think for yourself. Don't get sucked in by the massive amount of fear-mongering that's going on down here. Um, it's vitally important to understand that. As quantum physics is beginning to prove, and I keep bringing this up again and again, we create our own reality by the way we think. Now, the controllers, the reptarian controllers, were aware of this fact. So they've been manipulating people's minds on Earth for millennia to get humanity thinking in terms of disempowerment, vulnerability, dependency and fear. Now, you've just got to think of all the superstition and fear that's been put out over the centuries through various belief systems on Earth and it's still being put out. Um, you've only got to go onto the net to find it. Um, a lot of it's now being spread through New Age belief systems, psychics, channelers, etc. Um, authentic channeling is always based on love and empowerment. It's never fear. Um, truly highly evolved beings understand clearly that we create our reality through our thoughts and so no authentic spiritual guide or teacher would ever see fear in a human mind. Now many gloom and doom predictions are being fed to psychics by the controllers who are experts at re remote mind control. A lot of the channeling that goes on is actually coming from the reptarians down here. They'll contact people pretending to be Archangel Michael or a, or a, um, a Pleiadian Uh, space brother or something and all this stuff comes out of their mouth all oh, the greys are evil and all oh, this is going to happen and that's going to happen it's all being manipulated from down here um they actually had 
technology to do this back in 1956 to get inside heads of psychics. They'll, they'll aim for people who have that sensitivity and deliver their messages that they want to get across. So it's not only um, traditional religion that spread, has spread a lot of fear with its judgmental God and hellfire and all that rubbish. Um, some New Age beliefs are also doing it. So it's really important that people understand that. Um, there's another really important point that needs to be made, that there's a difference between religion and spirituality. Um, religion is a specific belief system with a set of rules and dogma that has to be adhered to or else. Spiritual, uh, spirituality, on the other hand, is a state of consciousness. Sometimes the two go hand in hand. There's some very, very spiritual people who are also religious, um, but not always. A person can be highly spiritual without being religious. Spirituality is about practicing unconditional love to the best of your ability, treating others how you yourself would like to be treated. This applies throughout the whole universe. It's not just Earth. Um, so that's what people need to link into and understand. It's spirituality we need to link into to free ourselves and empower ourselves. Religion can disempower us. Another deep question. Do these reptarians, and as you say, reptilian slash Pleiadian hybrids, have clandestine technology that would seem extraterrestrial to us, and are they the negative ETs some talk about? Yes, yes. Um, Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer talks about this. What they actually did, they took genetic material from the ET I thought you were bodies, going to say he was one of them. Yeah, yes. No, exactly. no, I, I thought you were going to say that he was one of them. I've heard that before. Uh, Stephen Greer? Yes. You mean? Yes. I thought you were going to say that he was one of them, because I've heard that before, but go ahead. Uh, no, I wasn't actually going to, but look, he might be. <laughs> um, I'd have to meet him in person to check him out. Okay. Um, but what he says is, is very, very true. He's putting across some very, very interesting information. Um, yes, genetic material was taken from the bodies of ETs in the crash ships, and um, by these these. Uh, what could you call them, sort of biorobotic life forms. He refers to them as a PLFs, programmed life forms, have been created, mainly in the form of the Zetas, the, the genuine greys, and they are used in these MyLab military abductions um, to cause maximum fear. And these abductions are very, very nasty and negative. You hear about people being raped, etc. That's not genuine ET contact, it's MyLab. Um, contact and I know several people who have undergone this and are aware of the fact that it's going on. So yes, there is a lot of faking going on with this. Um, they also use holographic imagery. Um, I, I'm just trying to think of the name of the book. There's a book by uh, that was written by Bud Hopkins. Um, and I can't remember the name of it, um, but there was a huge sighting with multiple witnesses of one of the contactees um, being taken out of the window of an apartment, accompanied by two small greys and up, taken up into a ship. And this was actually holographic imagery that was produced down here, specifically so heaps of people would see it. Are you talking um, about the one, so, the Brooklyn Bridge one? Which one? The, well, he, he wrote many books, but this is the, the one, the story of, of the Brooklyn Bridge UFO abduction or? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. I just can't think of the name, but I've got the book and I can't think of the name of it. Um, he also speaks about the abduction of the um, Secretary General of the United Nations in it. And again, that was a fake one. Very interesting. You know, there are some people in life and you see them and you work with them sometimes. And these are people that 
either they have no soul or they're one of these reptarians. And yeah. I've had the misfortune of working with some of them in my, in my past corporate life. Yeah. And you, yeah. you know how they lack empathy, sympathy, compassion, and they just want to do everything for the dollar. Yeah. I wonder if they're just yeah. among us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, they're amongst us in human form. I mean, they've, they've reincarnated. The, you know, I talk about that in the book. You know, we talk about all the repairings, you know, way back millions of years ago, but they're still here. They're, they're reincarnating down here in human form. Sani Sita talks about them in her book um, quite a lot as well. So, yes, they're, they're here and they're active. You know, they're, they're working with the authorities on the, on the planet. They're very high up in religion. Um, all, all the nasty stuff that goes on, they're behind it. Let me put an angle that perhaps hasn't been studied too much before. But this is one of the things I hate about the journey I've taken because you learn so much. And sometimes, Judy, as you know, truth hurts. You've mm -hmm. heard of the term adrenochrome, have you? What's that again? Just repeat that. A adrenochrome? No. Adrenochrome is what the elites do. They, they take a child or a human being and they tortured the person to the point where the maximum amount of adrenaline or epinephrine is released to the bloodstream. Uh -huh. And then they take out the blood and consume it for a high. So I wonder uh -huh. this, when we hear about people who are abducted and they are in so much fear, could it be these reptarians who pretend to be ETs and they're abducting people via myelabs or, or maybe they have exotic technology, they use their own craft, and they abduct people and they pretend to be, you know, probing them or, or checking them out. But in, in fact, what they're taking is their blood for these rituals who are now public domain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would not surprise me in the least um, because the, the, the um, abductions that they fake are very, very um, seemingly real because they use mind control, um, right. they, they have amazing technology. Um, so, yes, they can fake a, an abduction and a person can be completely fooled by it. They can see greys beside the bed and all sorts of things, definitely. If there are so many good ETs who I would presume are more advanced than we are if they're able to make it all the way to Earth, well, so did the Reptarians, why haven't they interceded to put a stop to this farm, or better yet, prison planet? <laughs> Um, well, basically, it's up to humans to wake up. Um, everything would have a bigger reason behind it. Nothing happens by accident. Um, this is really hard to put into 3D words, but basically Earth humans have to wake themselves up. This is part of their empowerment. The ETs are here to help, to, to you know, give teachings like I'm, I'm talking about here and we put out in our books and things to try to guide people, um, but we can't do the job ourselves. It's a little bit, I'll tell you what it's like, it's like um, the coach of a football team. Now, the football team goes out onto the field and plays the opposition and, and you know, the, a very exciting game is the result, and the coach can stand on the sideline. He might be able to yell out instructions um, and he can certainly train the team beforehand, but there's no way he would be allowed to run out onto the field and take part in the game. Now, it's a very, very similar thing going on down here. The ETs who are coming here to help out are like the coach. So we can speak to people before they're born down here. We can um, take them over and 
up into the higher dimensions and speak to them, but we're not allowed to actually step in and intervene on the playing field down here. It's something that Earth humans have to do themselves. And the bottom line is choosing love over fear. Fear is the controlling thing. Indeed. You say no negative beings from other level one planets can enter the energy field of Earth. Is no, that energy no. field the so-called Van Allen belt? And who put that field around us and for what reason? It's basically as a protection on a level one planet to stop anyone coming in from outside. But of course, it can't stop what's here already. This is the problem. But is that the Van Allen belt? That field? Oh, there'd be a very, very, yeah, various different energy belts around the planet. There'd be a number of them in different cross-dimensional frequencies. If as, as I said before, the whole of the universe is energy, so it'd be a whole range of dimensional frequencies. So you're saying that this is literally a prison planet. Nobody can come in and nobody can no. get out? That's right. No, it's not a prison planet, no. A higher being can come in, but the lower ones can't. I see. Yeah. But for Again, us... it's, it's all, all to do with energy. But for us, with our conventional craft, Apollo 11, for example, can we really leave this planet to go to, say, the moon? Yes, that did happen. That did happen, in your opinion? Yes, yes, yes. With, I, I know it did because I know someone who's involved in it. <laughs> okay, you think it happened, then how is it that we destroyed the telemetry? We lost all the footage. We lost all all the technology, and they're saying that it's too difficult to put it back together, which to me is insane. Um, well, as far as I understand, they were told not to come back because um, I know on one of the moon missions, I think they had weapons on board that they were going to test. So the ETs out there told them in no uncertain terms, you know, you're not coming back until you come back in peace. Um, and the other thing is when they did go to the moon, they actually saw ETs there, which is why... The footage, film footage that was taken on the moon wasn't. It was taken down here. How do we know when we see a UFO if it's reptarian or not? And I've had the privilege to have seen a few for all my life. I never saw one until a few years ago. Um, But how do we know if we see one that it's reptarian or not? You pick up the energy. You can feel through the energy. Um, This is another thing that I'm always pushing with people. You need to learn to feel energy. Um, it, it's really, it's hard to explain, but you can just feel the vibes coming off them. You can read true. their aura. Very true. That's exactly yeah. how I felt when my experience happened. It was going above me with a bunch of people, many witnesses, and it's even filmed. And when it was above me, I thought in my mind, if you're truly who you are, show me something. And it slowed down and it gl- there was this big glow, golden glow, and then it just went away. So is that a, is that proof in your opinion? I'd, I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. What about abductions? Who's conducting them? The reptarians or others as well? Both. 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 For what purpose? Um, well, the ET, the genuine ETs, are taking people up on the ship. It's not a case of abduction. The person's actually asked. It's a pre-birth choice whether they are ready to evolve or not, and they're being taken up on the ship to have um, DNA repair work done on them and healing, etc. I mean, I, I have memories of doing this myself. But also there's, uh, there's the MyLab abductions going on to cause fear and control people. So, yeah, there's two sides to the ET contact scenario. We have to take our one and only intermission, but when we come back, I'm going to get deeper into the rabbit hole. I want to ask you, 
what the astral plane is, the Akashic Records, and the fact that the controllers, not only do they control planet Earth, but they're also controlling the astral plane, and even they're putting this information into the Akashic Records so that we can continue perpetuating their belief system. Am I right? Yes, absolutely, for sure. When we come back, how can people buy the book Extraterrestrial Presence on Earth, Judy? Yes, it's available through Amazon and Kindle. And your website? Uh, what is your website? Um, it's um, ufograyinfo.com. And that's G R E Y. Right. Still with an E. Um, we also have YouTube channels, which I can I can read out now or when we come back. No, sure, do. Tell prefer. us. Tell us now, sure. Yep, okay. Our YouTube channel is the Zeta Message, all one word. Excellent. Well, folks, don't go anywhere. I'm here with Judy Carroll directly from Queensland, Australia, and we're going to discuss a lot more of the extraterrestrial presence on Earth. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know. <laughs>